Alrighty, Mark, welcome to the second podcast of Photography Therapy. And it's my pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, it's, and, it's, my, it's my pleasure to be here too. Yeah. And give us an introduction of who you are, what you do and what you shoot with. Okay, so um, I'm, my real name is Mark Box and um, uh, I work for Cambridge University Library. Uh, and I'm the lead photographer on the Darwin Correspondence Project at the moment. I've uh, been working on that for, what, coming on maybe three years now. Um, obviously started it just before the pandemic and there was a big, you know, lull in between. But we came back, I think we only had about six months kind of working from home and we were taken back as uh, research staff because we're obviously providing research materials. Um, and not only do we, do I just do that, but we, you know, as a photographic team, we work with like multispectral imaging, uh, uh, RTI photography, photogrammetry, 3D scanning, um, all sorts, all sorts. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And in your photography, what, what gear do you use and why have you chosen it? So I shoot with the Fuji X-T3 mirrorless camera. Um, I used to shoot with Canon, but I found that that was, it was just too big, it was too cumbersome. Uh, the, the lenses that I, I wanted to use for the street portraiture, um, it's, just, it's just too intrusive. Um, and if somebody saw you coming along with a, you know, a big kind of camera like that, it, it wasn't, it didn't, it, it just wasn't fit for purpose in that sense. So I, I switched over to the Fuji um, and um, I found these Viltrox lenses, which again, they were cheaper but they had very, you know, they were fast lenses, like 1.4. And I really like the idea of being able to capture a portrait and, you know, isolate them from the background. So having a fast lens is really good. It's small, it's a small form factor, um, but also aesthetically it looks nice. So it's also a talking point at the same time as well. You know, I've got a nice little leather strap and a holder on it. And people think it's a film camera because I use it like a film camera. I, I, don't, I don't like, I'm not constantly looking at the back of the, the screen. Take the shots, blah, 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 I'm done. Um, so that's, that's what I use, um, and I take it pretty much with me everywhere. Whereas with the older Canon camera, uh, 5D Mark III I was working with, you, you can't, you don't, it's heavy, it's too heavy. It's a tank, isn't it? It it's is. A, it's a tank, and as, as you say, I think if, I would get approached by someone who's taking pictures on the streets. I would be like, okay, this is a bit too much of a camera. And I always, when I see other Canon, say, photographers with the big lenses and stuff, I always say to myself, I don't ever want to be one of these photographers walking around with these big, you know, lenses and stuff. I just want to be me, discreet. It's not the lens that you really want to notice first. It's the, it's the person that's kind of approaching you. Um, so that's helped a lot. That really helped a lot. I agree, as you were talking about Canon and the big lenses. I was at the Mayball the other day. I think it was a Darwin or something. Yeah, I was at, yeah, no, no, I was a Darwin. And <laughs> I was one of the photographers, and there was many of them. And there was this gentleman, I can't recall his name because I didn't ask for his name. Yeah, yeah. And he was there shooting an event with a big-ass Canon yeah. and a 600 mil on top of it. And I just couldn't just, like, I was petrified of it like mm. and I'm a photographer I know where the gear is mm. and it looks like you have a car in your hands like, it's like a bazooka a lens, yeah. like, Jesus Christ so I, I get what you're saying about like 
too big of a gear can scare people off, I think. Yeah, it's and it's not practical as well because you, you, you never know what you're going to, uh, you know, what you're going to come across, what you're going to shoot with. Like, I, if I think, like, at the moment I'm, I'm shooting with a Viltrox 75mm um, 1.2 and it is so soft. It is so soft. It's creamy. The bokeh is lovely. And at at one point two, it is, it's 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 near pin sharpness. Um, you've got to get the focus right. So I don't, you know, I don't use the the eye tracking on there. I just kind of go with, you know, I've got some of the uh, the focus peaking going on, um, but it doesn't always kind of work because what I do is I use a, a mix of autofocus and manual focus, so I can, it's I I. So the focusing is actually done with a, um, one of the, the hotkey buttons on the back. So I use that to autofocus. And then obviously with that, if you need to kind of, you, know, you can set the focus with that and then move around and set your exposure and then come back and take a click. Uh, but sometimes the autofocus doesn't quite work. So you can just do a quick flip of the autofocus on the, on the lens itself and then when you obviously zoom in with the actual barrel of the lens, you'll get the digital zoom display through the eyepiece, and it will zoom in to the area that you're, you know, you, that you've set your focus square at. Um, and you can, you know, I need to do that a bit more because obviously I work quite quick. Um, so yeah, it's just such a nice lens, and it's it's more restrictive in how I normally photograph because I used to shoot in a fifty six. Millimeter, so 1.5 conversion. That's about what 80, 80 something millimeter, 86, whatever, uh, 82. I'm terrible at math. I, I'll, I'll let you it know, works. Let it works. Out. But this one is equivalent to like a you know 100 plus millimeter. Um, but again, it's a lot more. It's a lot more kind of um, uh, compact. Um, everything's more kind of compressed within the frame. So you need to get yourself a little bit further back. Whereas before I switched to the 23 equivalent of 35 millimeter because I thought, you know, well, the idea is I was trying to encompass the colors of the sitter, the person that's in the frame with um, a bit of kind of analogous colors in the background. So if they're wearing like yellow and there's some like, you know, yellow flowers or yellow signage or something, You've got that kind of, you know, analogous kind of, you know, colours in the background which make the picture. So you want to also include the background, but you obviously shooting wide, you keep that distraction away, and you've, you're focusing more on the on the on the, on the subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, so yeah, as I said, going from the thirty-five to that I was like, whoa! But the results are so much better. Just that extra stop wider, one two. It's just, it's, it's mad. It's, it's just, it's so worth the challenge. It really is, it really is. I also recently started to shoot with a 1.2. I shoot with a Sony for, uh, for, uh, for events, even for my street photography, although don't, 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 don't do much of it. But that 1.2, as you say, it's just unbelievable. It just unbelievable. makes such a big difference. And it's weird, because I thought it, and I've had, a, you know, some, some other people have commented saying it looks like it's been either photoshopped or like, you know, the iPhone algorithm where it kind of blurs out the background because it is just so soft. But it's just, 
it's just gorgeous it, and I really really like really like using that lens it just again it it gives a very different look but it's it really does make the subject stand out a lot more so to try and get more of that 35 millimeter look you just have to you have to step back you know but you need to you got to think on your on your feet as well you got to think okay where am I going to be shooting? Have I got the room to kind of do this? You know, so before, if I see someone, which is, you know, so much thinking goes on, you don't realise. But as soon as you see someone, you're looking around at places as you're walking up to them to figure out where is the best place I can kind of, I can do this. And if you think, okay, it's not going to work, or I haven't got a, you know, 35 mil that I can just switch over to, which I, you know, I, I sometimes do. Sometimes you have to give it a miss. It just depends on the timing and what you think is going to work with it. So, but yeah, long story short, regardless of the challenges, it's worth it. Brilliant. And now, can you talk us? Can you talk to us about your main project? Humans of Cambridge. Humans of Cambridge, of course. Mm. What do you want to know about it? Well, <clears throat> I remember. I met you in the very beginning, not the very beginning, but there was an early, early doors, yeah, yeah, yeah. Early, early stage, days, early days. and I didn't have that much of a chance to ask you how did it, how did it start, mm. where did it go now, what are your inspirations, why do you photograph people, what are what is your subject matter? So, start from telling us how did you start? What was the whole concept? What was the whole idea behind it? It, it was it was through lockdown and that was when when we were allowed to kind of start going back out I wanted to I wanted to go out and kind of capture document people we were it was a very kind of surreal time um, and people were just kind of you know venturing out again people were worried about you know intermingling and being social again you know there was that kind of anxiety um, and that's when I got, I sold some of my Canon lenses and, you know, got the money towards the buy, by the Fuji, which I got secondhand with very little um, actuations on the shutter count. It was, it was, I was like a bargain. And then I bought the kit lens, the 18 to 55. Again, really good for a kit lens, but the quality, and it was only, what, F3.5, 2.8, um, but... 2.8 to F4. Yeah, yeah, and the problem with that is when you're shooting 55 at 2.8, oh, no, 55, yeah, 55 2.8, sure, that's uh, that's okay, but then if you want to zoom in a little bit more, you, you're going to f, you know, f4.5, I think it was, uh, so you, you, you just don't, you don't have the prime lenses, just, oh, just shoot prime lens, that's, that's what I do, and that's why I, I, with my Viltrox, I have a whole system, you know, I have the 20, the 23, the 56, the 85, which is what I got before the 75. So I'm going to get rid of that because this one's, the 75 is, is much better. Um, but anyway, sorry, I digress. I just wanted to go out and I had, the, I had a street camera which gave me the freedom to be able to just wander around, not worry that somebody's going to want to nick my camera because I've got a big fancy Canon with, you know, 100mm portrait lens. Um, because that's what I would normally go out and shoot with, or I'd shoot with maybe a, a pancake lens, 40 millimeter, 
because again that's really nice and sharp and uh, you can get a good bit of distance so I got the 56 millimeter first Viltrox 1.4 and that gave me the distance that I needed to keep away from people but also be able to approach them and just say and obviously they're not aware of how close I'm going to get but obviously I didn't need to get close so there was no you know social anxiety you know that was made because I was getting maybe too close into their personal space because yeah but I, I there was a woman that I saw just in the in the village and I walked past her and she was just kind of sitting on a little front bit of her garden just like looking out you know hand in her you know chin and just looking out just just thinking and I said to her I said oh can I can I capture this moment? She's like, yeah, sure. How do you want to just just the way you were, just the way you were. And for me, that was like one of the first kind of pictures that I really took on that. And from there, it just gave me you know an idea to start going into town. I, did, I walked around and I did a lot of usual street photography stuff, capturing candid stuff. Um, but then I started to like. It's interesting seeing it as I look back at the work as well. You know, I, I would find interesting people because obviously people are coming out a lot of people are wearing masks but everyone's being creative with their mask as well so i would do single portraits but then i started event you know slowly gradually kind of noticing more things about people and it actually helped me realize that to be a bit more like aware of your surroundings not only of the people but and obviously you know you look at someone, you, you know, you're making the eye contact and then it's like whenever I'm talking to someone, if I approach them in the street now, I'll have a chat with them and just talk about what I am. But then I'm, I'm looking all around and I see all these things that I've kind of had a little glimpse of as I approach them. And I think when they notice that you notice things about them, it kind of makes it a lot easier. And they, I think they appreciate that you see these little things. Um, but my only regret was when I photographed a girl called Nicola, who was literally, for me, she was like the inspiration for Humans of Cambridge. Um, well, for making it, it is what it became and what it's kind of turned into. And that was a shot on Burrell's Walk, and I'd done just two shots, like a, a three-quarter, maybe a slightly close, closer one. I wish I'd done more. I wish I'd done the approach that I do now, focusing on more details, but... It was more I kind of got really excited and, you know, the, the green you know, hat and the green coat and the auburn hair and the auburn leaves and the leading lines, you know, and the path behind it. And it looked lovely. And especially I wanted to create like a film preset, shall we say, in Lightroom, capture one, then back to Lightroom, um, all down to workflow. But um, would you... Would you... Does she still live here? Are you in touch with Nicola? Yeah, yeah, I've shot her a couple of times before, and okay. I've, you know, and I've I've actually talked about her before, and and uh, um, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you had the chance to take some more pictures. Yeah, and again, they've all been really, really great pictures. She's a she's a a wonderful human. She's a, she's she's got an interesting story herself, um, and that's what I find fascinating, is that all these people that you pass in the street you know everyone's got their you know their kind of shall we say rich resting bitch face yeah 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 <laughs> you know? everyone has it everyone has it um 
and when you get to meet them the way that I do, it's it's pretty awesome because you get to get a little glimpse of their personality, get a, get to see, you know, uh, the smile that only their friends or family would see, you know. Um, so for me, the the experience of that is obviously what I like to share back in the images because you are actually sharing an intimate moment with that person, a complete stranger, um, and you're seeing genuine smiles, genuine reactions, um, and it's it's lovely. Um, and my way is just, and again, the reason why I don't look back at the pictures is because you should never look at your pictures when you're photographing things. You can do that later. There's no point. It's, it's, it's counterintuitive because you end up going, oh, I'll delete this one, delete that one. And then you realise the one that you kept is actually out of focus uh, because you're looking at the screen and it's daylight and you thought you saw it right. Um, do that later because the real fun happens when you actually upload them. You, you, know, you put them into your software. Like I said, I use Lightroom now because it's much better workflow. I do a lot of you know, selection process, but uh, I've, it's very quick and intuitive. But the biggest joy is when you import your raw files, and I import them raw, and I don't do any applied settings first because I want to see what the raws look like first. And they just look, they don't look great. You know, they're just like a blank canvas, you know, it's weird. But then when you apply your preset, so I don't use any of the, the, the Fuji kind of uh, film simulations. Um, I just kind of a, drop them in raw and then apply my own Lightroom kind of preset that I've tweaked over and over. I think I'm like Mark six at the moment. Um, but then you see the transformation and then they literally turn into the images that you've envisaged, envisaged in, your, in your mind and they come alive and it's really it's such a buzz. And then you, you, know, you apply them to all the images and then you, you, you do your selections of the different perspectives that you've, kind of, you know, you've done, your different angles, and then you, you, know, you mark those as, as yellows and then you go through a second time and you go, okay, I'll mark that one as definitely green. And then you've got your selection. Um, you know, Instagram, what, 10 images maximum? Um, if I've, I've sometimes had like 20 or that I've kept because I'm like, man, these are so good. So then you can use those as, um, you know, stories or something you can use for a future post or something you can maybe turn into a cinegraph and create these little cool little animations, which are, they're really cool. I, I enjoy kind of playing with those. Um, so to answer your question, why did I... <laughs> Why, why do I do it? Well, there you go. That's the reason why I do it. it again, it's meeting, it's getting a chance. The, the reason why I, I, I did it was it was so I could, it was a, an opportunity to just get back into the population to, you know, uh, how are you doing? Are you okay? Yeah. You, look, you know, you look good. It was, it was for me, it was for me as well because I wanted to, you know, I, I'm a social person. I'm like an... an, an an introvert, extrovert, if that makes any sense. It does, it does. Yeah. I feel you, absolutely, I feel you. Um, and it's, I just, it's, it, it's nice. And I find, it took me a little while to fine-tune the approach because you can't just walk up to somebody and say, oh, can I take your picture? There's, why? What, there's, there's no context to it. There's no, there's no meaning, you know? And I eventually learned that, you know, 
why am I approach, approaching this person? You know, what is it that I that's kind of caught my caught my eye? You know, it could be you know you could have a huge beard. I'm, I'm thinking I oh, have an impressive beard. So then you can walk up and say, dude, oh, that's that's a an epic beard. You know, you're not making a pass. You're not making you know bodily observations. Um, you're appreciating something about them. I think again, clothing-wise, they could have like a wicked jacket on or like bright coloured pink boots, you know? And you say like, you know, you like the boots. You make a genuine comment about what they're wearing. And obviously first impression obviously makes a big difference. You, you're then relating something. You, you have a connection because you appreciate something that they also like, that they also appreciate, and that they've been noticed. Um, and then that way you can just, you know, then just say, look, you know, I, I like this. I'd love to take a portrait, you know. And then you start, as I said before, noticing other things about them. I think um, that's um, that's a good advice for someone who 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 loves or is starting in street portraiture. Because street photography is one thing. You usually wouldn't ask street photography. Just you snap a moment and it's gone. Yeah, and it's interesting because lately I've actually had somebody message me, and um, he's a journalist doing lecturing. And he's looked at, he said, he, he contacted me and he said he's been looking at other humans of, you know, like portraits and, and whatnot. But he says mine's, you know, uh, is more, more intimate because in I pay attention to the detail of people um, and just the way that I photograph them. Uh, so he actually wants to do, uh, use my account. So he's going to send his students to look at the account and use my account example. Uh, how to how to do this and you know that's you're, become, it's, you're it's, it's becoming cool. like a piece of history it's incredible oh god it's crazy <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's interesting because it's weird because for me now it's not it doesn't really seem like rocket science rocket science as such um, but it's yeah I guess it is different it is it's it's not street photography, but it's definitely street portraiture. But it's more—it's more intimate. It's more engaging. Intimate um, street portraiture. Yeah, yeah. I think it will be described as that because it's intimate because you connect to people. Yeah. Street because it's happening on the street and portrait because it's it's yeah. vertical. I can, but I try and make it my art as well because it is it you know this is my work this is my artwork. Um, I do it all my my own time. All you know the editing actually takes. As much as I rave about how quick I am editing and, and selecting, the actual, you know, the selection process is quite, can take longer than you think, actually. You know, for example, with you today, you know, uh, I think I took maybe di 10 different scenes. Some of the, some of the scenes I kind of, I did gorilla shoot a little bit, because normally I, I do three or five shots per scene, because, you know, one of those is going to be the one that you, is going to be, going to be best and you never know and that's the interesting thing you could take a thousand shots but only one of them or maybe ten of them are going to be good but then you've still got to whittle it down to at least one but if you take three or five one of those is going to be the one that you're going to choose anyway and if it's not quite what you thought you got it's close enough don't beat yourself up about it you know these things are fleeting moments you're catching a fleeting moment um so if you're set up, you know, if you're set up properly, 
uh, especially if, you, for example, uh, I shoot the, you know, th uh, was it f three to five frames, three, fr three, three frames a second, but then I, I know if I've got to capture quite a lot of movement, then I'll switch it up to, I can't remember if it's like 10 to 15 frames, um, you know, high speed shutter. So that's, you know, you just got to think ahead and, you know, know what you want to do. And also it's quite good to ask if, uh, you know, how much time you got, you know? Normally what I say is, you know, I'll take 30, 60 seconds. Sometimes I'm like... I take don't. notes, listeners, take notes, because <laughs> this is important information. <laughs> you know, if uh, you always say, because if they're, if they're unsure about it, because if they're like, oh, yeah, but then I'll, uh, I'll take 30 seconds, 60 seconds top, you know, so you're, you're kind of, you're, you're almost coming across as a salesman, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to, you're trying to get them to buy into... Giving them your, them giving you their time. Did I say that right? Yes. yes <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, if they're unsure, give them a small window. Like it's not going to take long. And oh, I don't know if the picture's going to look good. They always look good. You know, everyone I everyone I photograph, I never. I if any of the images I think make the person look slightly kind of goofy or whatever, I won't put them up. I put I put up what I would want. To be how I would want people to see me. Um, sure, there are some pictures where people are funny, pulling funny, goofy faces, but that's because they've they've done that themselves rather than catching like a, an off guard goofy face. If you know what I mean, you know, like a mid talk and like, ah, you know, nobody nobody likes that. Um, so yeah, it's 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 that. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, as, as, as I mentioned earlier, that I know I, I kind of started following you since the beginning to now. And now I even deleted the Instagram app because I'm like... Uh, oh, I really? Yes. I have the account and everything. I do log into it, but... I did actually try looking for you early and I was like, where's this thing? No, because I just looked at my screen time. And, you know, iPhone gives you all the statistics. And on Instagram, I don't work on Instagram. I don't post on Instagram that much. And the only thing I do is scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Everyone gets in the, into the depths of it, per se. And I, I notice that two or three hours a day just disappear like that. And I decided just to delete the app. So it's interesting you say that because I, I totally get with the doom scrolling. Um, but what I find is at the moment I've got a, a backlog of humans, shall we say, to, to post. Um, and I always feel bad that it's taking a long time because I, I, I post one a day or a, a couple, but I try and restrict it to one. A, because I don't want to photobomb and fill people's feeds like I used to in the beginning, like boom, you know, his 12 pictures. Because from some of my friends' feedback was, oh yeah, you know, Boxy's photo dumped again on Instagram, you know, my feed's just full up of the... You take away the magic of it. Yeah. Um, some people are waiting, you know, two, three, sometimes like a month for their post to go up because they are that far behind the, the queue of people because I post people in order of date taken. So, and obviously I'll, maybe I'll switch a few things around. If you've got two very similar, you know, if you've got a series of people all wearing red, great, that, that, that's a great for a, a theme. But the idea is when people look at the grid, for example, you're seeing very different individual people, different looks. Um, and again, it's aesthetic, it's completely um, subjective, you know, and that's the way that I see. But it's like your gallery, you know, it's, it's, it's your, your art. Um, 
not content. I, I, I don't like to call it content because... Well, it well it is, but the idea is that it, I'm not. If it was content, then I'd be whacking loads of stuff out for it, and that's not really the method that I want to do. So, and how many people have you photographed so far? Um, have you got the rough figure in your in your in your head? Probably around many. Like I can imagine how many. If you're, you still have a backlog of this. Okay, there's some, so maybe, I don't know, 1,800, maybe, 1,900. 1,900 Don't forget, there are some people. people that I photographed a few times before, but these are individual posts based on, you know, based on the Instagram thing. So there's probably about, oh, let's be, let's be, let's be, let's just say 1,500 complete individuals. Because I, I can't remember exactly how many times I photographed other people. There might be some dogs and stuff in there as well. Um, and do you know what's funny? Because the way that I, I manage my workflow, because what I do is once I've edited in Lightroom and then create the high res or then do a Photoshop action to do the, the border, I upload the border images onto Google Photos so they're there. And then what I do is I then download a batch that I'm going to post onto the phone and kind of, so I have access on the go so I can do it any time. Um, and then once they're done, I can delete the ones there on the, on the phone, free up space. Um, but it's, that's the way that I found is the most efficient way and I can also back up the photos. Uh, and it means if anyone wants the photos, they're already online that I can, you know, I can, I can, I can share them with in that way. Um, obviously, I don't share the high-res photos because, again, that's my work. If somebody really, really wants those photos, um, you know, uh, that's where I go, okay, I, I, I'd like some kind of return for the effort that I've done, you know. Sure, I don't mind giving them a, a low-res copy for them to, to share on social media because they've given me their time in that sense, you know, and that's good enough for, for that. Um, but, again, if they want the physical... You know, if they, because I've had people ask for high res images, and then I said, "Oh, what do you want them for?" Oh, I want to print them. I'm like, "Yeah, that's 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 a little bit cheeky, I guess." But tell you what, here's here's what I here's what I do, and um, I'd say eight out of ten times people are like, "Yeah, absolutely," but then sometimes I just get people just ghost me. I'm like, "You could just say no, thanks." Mamma mia, bro, really? But it's very few. It's very few. I, I think it's just. Maybe people expect, you know, some people might expect things to, to be free in that sense. But like I said, it's the project itself. I do it in my own time. It takes a lot of time, and I have to make time to catch up on the editing. I've still got, a, I've got a load still to post that sit in in the archive. I still have a load more to keep track on, um, and obviously I go out and I shoot as well, and then that gets put back in. So I, I, there's, there is a lot of time that goes into it. It's like a job. It's literally like a job. Um, so... Would you ever think of releasing a book? Y yeah, the, I've been thinking about that. But I, I think it needs to have at least, you know, it's been nearly three years. I think maybe in the next year, maybe after f five years, it's got a bit of history. Five years is a good I, I think that's... A good time to because I'm still, I'm still evolving, developing, um, 
And it's interesting because when I look back at some of my earlier stuff, which I thought was amazing, it's not really that <laughs> not really that great. My white my white balance was was questionable, um, and uh, yeah, I'm actually thinking of maybe going back and re-editing some of the older stuff and then maybe reposting. Have you still those. got the original, the rules? Of course. Uh, no, do I have? The, yeah, no, I have all the rules. I have all the rules, the high-res versions. I always keep a backup of all the stuff that I've shot because you take know, notes, take notes. Yeah, yeah, never delete the rules, you know. Um, just get yourself, a, you know, a, a, always back up your work. Um, so I'm, I'm now working on a, on my laptop, and I can, a time machine that back up. Uh, to you know another t you know, external kind of personal drive, which means that's backed up. But then once that's I I've maybe reached capacity of that, I'll back that up onto maybe one or two others that are kind of elsewhere you know you can get a terabyte or two terabyte drives that are fairly cheap so it's really important to back up your work not just once but you know at least twice or have like a, a raid drive at home so you can you know you've got the drive that you're working on that you can then you know back that up and have that time machine backed up or if you're working pc you know just do a backup that way but it's really important I, i've got raw files that go back to 2000 and six when I was first got back into digital photography and I've got so much work that I don't really need to do any more studio work. I used to have a studio uh, on um, is it King Street uh, it's part of Christ College and I would basically I had it's now been knocked down it was, yeah so yeah, yes, so when you look when you look in the loft bar it's stolen you could look out and you could see my studio. It's not there, it's all gone now. It's heartbreaking to see. I was watching it all just getting slowly crumbled. But, you know, I did loads of cool stuff in there. But it's interesting as well because I found, like, I, I, I've mastered Flash to a degree. I'm not saying I'm, I'm an expert. But I, I just found... <laughs> I found working with Flash, it was a lot of work, you know, a lot of time-consuming. Um, yeah, you can be super creative and stuff. But you need a studio for that. Um, sure, you can use Flash outside, blah, blah, blah. But to be honest, I like the challenge of trying to use the natural light source because photographers in the old days, they just used the, the, one, the one light, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the sun god, you know. Um, and working with that light, it helps you figure out how to position your subject, um, how to utilize the shadows, uh, shade. Uh, working in bright sunshine is an absolute nightmare. And there is a way to get away from that as well if you're editing. If you've, if you've had no cho choice but to shoot in the sun, obviously... What do you usually do when there's direct sunlight, there's 30 degrees outside? <sighs> yeah, so you sometimes you can't avoid it. Um, shoot into the sun. That's one that you can do, you know, depending on the look that you're trying to get. Again, if you're shooting open, that's the problem. If you're shooting quite wide, you can, you can basically, you know, knock down the exposure compensation. Um, I would probably, sp you could spot for that, um, but it's going to, it will kind of centuated average again evaluation is kind of what I normally go for because 
again, if you're shooting in the sun, you're going to get very, very dark. And obviously, if you want to kind of boost the exposure up on that a little bit, you've obviously got the, the exposure is already set on the face. Everything else is going to be kind of blown out. So um, it, it varies. Again, say, for example, you have short... I always knock it down when it may be one stop just to be safe that I've not got any blown highlights anywhere. Um, but then obviously when you crank it up, you're going to get some discoloration, um, overexposure and some bits. Obviously I, with my preset that I've got, I've knocked the highlights down to give it a bit more flat tone. Um, but you can still get nasty kind of dark kind of contrast. So. If you're finding you've got that, you can just push the contrast back. Again, I already have my contrast pushed back quite far on the preset anyway, so it's obviously once I applied the preset, this is what I've got to work with. Um, so, yeah, knocking back the, the contrast can help that without changing the image too much. It works for my setup. I, uh, it's not going to be the case for, you know, everyone's got a different way of colour grading their, you know, their, their images, their work. Um, it's just what works works for me. Sometimes you can push the shadows up more. Again, depends if depends if you're. It just depends on the environment and what you're, you know. What you're used to, I guess. Yeah. And and talking about um, everyone th that does things differently. So, what is your approach and what is your subject matter in your in your project, in Cambridge? How do you? That is the thing. The question that. Everyone who encounters your profile and your project thinks, how do you choose them? Because there's such a variety of people. Yeah, so again, it's, it's, it's not, I, you know, people say to me, like, you know, why don't you, why, you know, why do you, you only photograph, like, you know. Alrighty, let's take a break. The Cambridge Photography Show is happening this October. If you're interested in photography, videography, or about gear, you should come and visit, because all the major brands are there, Loads of photographers attending to network, great variety of talks and workshops. You got a lot to miss out, so if you're interested, just please visit cambridgephotographyweek.com. Once again, cambridgephotographyweek.com to find out more about the show, about the tickets, and what's happening. Now back to the podcast. Young, pretty women. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, first of all, <laughs> The reason why there are a lot of, say, young women on there, um, and again, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, um, there is a high percentage, it's a student town, student city, there's a high percentage of um, women than there are to men, um, as in per, per population. Really? I didn't know uh, yeah, it was definitely oh. that, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if that's, uh, well... Don't quote me on this, but that's what it was when I first came here, and I believe it has been that. To be honest, you can see it's you've got the. It's it's out there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's out there. there. It's out there. Yeah. So, I photograph the young students, men, women, uh, LGBT uh, plus Q plus um, animals, older generation. I've had people say, you know, why don't you photograph you know people more my age? I'm like, I do. You just haven't really had a look, you know. And it was actually funny that there was a lady a few years ago said, and I was I got a bit offended at this, and she said, you know, I've noticed, you know, I really like your work, I follow you, but I noticed you only photograph, you know, young young women, and I was like, that the way that that you've made that sound is very creepy, uh, and that's really not what I'm about at all. 
Um, and I did explain that she said, I've, I've only just looked at the first bit of your page and it's just young women. I went, it's just because it's, that's the full, you know, the, you know, the, the footfall of the, the people that are coming through where I am, which is not a very big circle of, uh, you know, area that I work with. Um, and then just below, there was a, a repost of a, a really cool old lady with glasses and she was just, oh, she was fabulous. Um, so I approach people, it doesn't matter sex, you know, gender, age, whatever. So long as there's something about them that catches my curiosity, you know, something, as I said before, if there is something that you see on someone that you like, you're drawn to them. It's the opposite of if you see somebody and you don't like anything about them, you're not attracted to them. You, you're kind of, you want to keep your distance. You don't want to interact with that person. Again, I'm a, I don't know these people that I'm approaching. They could be, they could be anyone. You know, I'm not, make, I'm not making, I'm not making judgments on it. Yeah, I'm not making judgments on appearance, but that's again, never judge a book by its cover. But again, uh, but saying that as well, if I, if I genuinely don't find somebody interesting or again, Everyone's different, everyone has personal tastes, everyone sees the world, everyone has their own map of the world, you know, they see, we see the world differently, even though we think we all see the same thing, you know, we interpret things so, so much more differently. Um, and that is, for me, is the key point. You can't run up to someone for the sake of taking a portrait, because when you try and do that, you're then searching for, let's see, what have we got here, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not selling, you know. They're not feeling the vibe that you're invested in them, you know. Because by approaching them, you're investing your time because you want to capture something that appeals to you. And it could be um, hair. It could be, you know, an item of clothing. Again, important thing is never comment on somebody's physical part of the body so you can talk about like tattoos on the body etc um, and I think the closer you can probably get because I, I remember I approached there was this um, uh, a very attractive girl and I'm being really open and honest with this because you are attracted to attractive people and I said to her I said look um, you know I, I wasn't I wasn't sold on what she was wearing but I said to her I said look you have an amazing face I would I'd absolutely love to photograph you um, take a portrait and I showed her what it was for and then when I positioned her I realized that the background the color um, the analogous colors kind of worked really well and I went actually this is this is great this is really really good so it actually I got more than what I bargained for um, or I hoped for um, and I was really happy with them because she had this just a, a great face it's you know photogenic 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 um, so my approach is always like, uh, I'm truthful and honest about it, you know, um, but that's a very small percentage of why I approach people. I don't approach attractive, beautiful people all the time. You know, I've photographed such a, a kaleidoscope a of, uh, characters, um, yeah. that you would probably say, well, yeah, they might not fit into the category of being attractive people which I guess is probably quite a harsh thing to say. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Everyone is attractive one way or Every, another. But here's the interesting thing. 
So everyone thinks, so, okay, so who I don't, who I would consider, I wouldn't consider as attractive is who I would personally feel attracted to. Other people would see, oh, they're, they're an attractive person. But here's the, here's the cool thing. No matter who you are, what, you know, how physically, you know, appealing you are to other people, when you're in the photograph, everyone is beautiful. That, that for me, because, and the reason why you become attractive in that way is because you are connecting with them, you're seeing their smile, you're seeing them laugh, you're seeing them animated. For me, that's the beauty of it. That's the kind of, that's what makes that person, every single person, dare to say, the kind of, you know, beautiful, you know? Um, I like I like how you light up when you speak about this project. Well, that's the passion. It's and amazing. Again, I, and and I'm a, I've got an excitable character. I do try and tone it down a little bit sometimes. But again, this is what you're seeing here right now is what the what someone experiences when I approach them. The experience they they see the the genuine interest in them, um, and that kind of vibe, that excitement. You, it kind of bounces off. So you've already got that connection and they want to be involved as well. And it's so much fun. And when you get that reciprocation back, it's just such a joy, which makes going back to editing the pictures later even more fun because you're reliving that moment and it's great. It's so much fun. And I guess the great thing about the project itself is every encounter is, is different, but every encounter is fun and you get a nice exchange. And I've made, I've made some really nice friends along the way and I've, there's been some opportunities that have come through. Um, and it's just, it's nice that I feel like there's a community that's kind of come about, because, you know, through the actual project. You know, I call it, you know, you know the, the hot community or thank you for being, you know, a part of the, the community. And it's kind of nice. It's, you know, it's not like a tribal, tribal sort of thing. It's more like a. Everyone, that you see around, I guess is in the community. You know, it's just, a, I guess it's a, um, a, 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 forget the word now. It's just the. Your your time will come when you'll you'll end up on it. You know, I've had people before say. There was this uh, gorgeous girl. She had this uh, gorgeous um, um, Afro hairstyle. Oh, it, was, it was amazing. And I approached her and she went, oh, my God, I've been waiting for like a whole year for this to happen. I was like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. cool. Um, yeah, no, it's great. And I, it's really nice to kind of get that kind of, to hear that as well, because it shows that what you're doing is having an impact. Um, I had a really nice comment from... Uh, a guy um, just recently saying that he wasn't comfortable ha being photographed, having his photograph taken, but I managed to capture him, and that's exactly what I wanted to do. So you see this exterior of people that aren't showing themselves, but having a complete stranger come up to you and being able to bring you out, who you are, and then you're seeing yourself and going, yeah, that's... Um, that, I like that. I like that. So you're, it's just, it's creating an emotion 
another feeling, I guess. And again, for me, I get to relive that when I kind of go through and edit the photos again. And then it's it's nice being able to kind of see them when they're kind of posted live and then seeing people's reactions to them. And yeah, it's just, that's why I do it. It's, it's uh, you could call me selfish because I, I really enjoy it. <laughs> well, that's your project. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And the last question about Humans of Cambridge is, do you think there will ever be a conclusion to this project? Um, or are you going to keep going until you die? I've never, I've never really... There was one, one period where I was like, oh, this sucks, I'm not going to do it anymore, you know. And, but um, if you would see this, not as a bad ending, but as, as a happy ending to a project, just to give you a context. Yeah, yesterday. I, you know, I've never really thought of it that way. I think it's, it's funny, a friend of mine said to me, he says, when you've got your camera, you just can't stop, can you? And I, I was at a, her, her exhibition, and I was just going to take some pictures of, you know, of literally just her, but then I ended up just, uh, you just go into a mode. It's like, it's like a drug, you know, once you've, once you take the camera, pick up the camera, um, and again, the quality of the glass, I feel, is really important because it really changes how you photograph, how you approach, um, you know, different challenges it gives you. Um, but like I said, with, you know, with the 75 1.2, it makes me want to see what I can capture, to see, you know, it, the, the passion's always there. So at the moment, I, I can't, I, I just, I, I've never seen an end to it. I feel like it's, yeah, it's just something I'm gonna keep doing. You know, I've already, I already foresee, you know, the next two years, but then, you know, I've seen other photographers bring up books from like the last 10 years. Again, I do this, this is my own pleasure, my own, my own thing. So I feel like, thinking that it's going to be an end, I don't, really th I don't really want there to be because it brings me, me so much joy doing it and the effect that it has on the people that I photograph, you know, it, it does wonders. It, it has done wonders. Um, and I can imagine a body of work after 10 years, imagine. But can you imagine the, the level, imagine, like, look at how, you know, when it first started, you know, you can all, you, you scroll all the way down, you'll look at the first image, and then look how it's kind of evolved through there. I'm just wondering, okay, that's, that's in, what, nearly three years. I wonder how it'll evolve, you know, where I'll be in the next, you know. And I feel like my, my work is, is at a standard now that I'm happy with, but I, I'm always looking for ways to improve and tweak, and who knows, it might, it might change, because the actual theme of it, it started off as a lockdown project and a way to communicate and interact with people. And then obviously it's kind of, you know, I can't deny it's, it's primarily based on fashion, but it's not more about the fashion. Okay, I'm drawn towards the fashion because when I first did this, the influx of new students that came in was so much different than the previous year or years. And I thought to myself, everyone looks really cool. Like everyone's got this great fashion sense and you know a great mix of 80s and 90s and some 60s and 70s like all like a medley together especially in Cambridge you've got loads of styles there's yeah. no such a particular trend going on yeah but there's a thousand people with a thousand styles yeah which is 
Yeah. Beautiful. And I feel it's such a shame to just not get to... Okay, for me, I want to kind of document... I, I, I've always loved documentary kind of style, um, you know, photography and portraiture. But being able to not only just capture people's, you know, when you're photographing, uh, you know, fashion stuff or street stuff, yeah, you get the kind of standard, you know, full portrait. But it's, it's more... For me, it's about them as well because... Sure, I've noticed their clothes, but I've also kind of noticed them as well. And again, for me, I want the, for me, I want to be able to share with the audience uh, my experience with them as well. So it's like, you know, uh, say I'm a stranger looking at, you know, the, 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 at the Instagram account and I'm seeing these people looking at me, smiling as though I'm kind of interacting with them. So you're getting a real intimate experience with them and um yeah what was the question the question was um and this goes back to the how would you conclude the book but not the book but the project but yeah we just get, get got into yeah by the way I, to, to the listeners i'm very good at sidetracking <laughs> it's amazing though take um, notes take notes yeah um but i think the whole question here was what is your subject matter and i think we covered it really well yeah the subject matter is, is people uh, probably you know that's the main focus obviously there's the you know the the, the first catch is obviously what cat you know, draws my attention to them so it could be anything that you're wearing you know if you, the, the 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 more brighter you are that it's interesting the brighter the more vibrant your the people that, that what the person is wearing is also an indication of their character as well um, and that's I do find it quite that quite fascinating. Um, sometimes, and I have noticed people that are wearing kind of a lot of dark or a very bit more kind of subdued or in a certain kind of, you know, uh, maybe gothic kind of sense or their characters a little bit more kind of controlled, shall we say? Mm -hmm. um, or not, or not. Um, and if I find sometimes that they are quite closed in, um, I try and make them laugh, and this is where the you know if they're if they're if they're sta you know standing there and I'm taking a portrait and they look very very serious. I'm like, nah, this is you know this looks like you know maybe they've done some modelling before, you know, or it's it, I'm not really connecting, and I'll just you know I think it came it was very random the first time I said it. I was like, you know, you've just found out you've won a million potatoes. And the hardest point, well, most of the time people laugh and, and they actually get very animated, more animated than you could hope for. You're like, yes! So you've got to be prepared for that as well. Um, but then sometimes they'll look at you just deadpan. I'm like, did they hear me? Okay. Um, I'm like, that wasn't funny, was it? And sometimes I'm just like, okay, that's not going to work. What else can I do? So I'll just kind of, again, focus on other stuff about them, get them to talk, maybe relive a memory or something. Um, because you want the response to be genuine, you know? Yeah. They're not interacting with the camera, they're interacting with the photographer. So it's like, you know, it's a two-way thing. So, you know, they're, in, they're interacting with, with me, but also as an audience, they're kind of interacting with the audience as well. You know, they're, they're sharing, them, they're sharing, you know, they're... A they're piece of soul. Yeah. Piece of, so they're releasing a piece of soul. Yeah. And now, I mean, there's... I read this somewhere, I think I was at university. That there is this tribe in America, none of them are in America, uh, in Africa, and they believe 
that once you take a picture of a human, take you take their soul yeah. away. Yeah. So there, there is, I mean, that's the extreme. However, you do take that little bit when you capture a moment of someone, regardless whether they know about it or not. I think you do somewhere, somehow, because it's there. The, the interesting thing about it is, and the way I see it is, and this is what I find fascinating about photography, you're, you're capturing, you're literally capturing a moment in time, which is why I love like some of the, the work that we do here in, in the University Library in the Digital Content Unit is, you know, we work with a lot of old glass lantern slides and you're seeing portraits of people that don't exist anymore. But those photons that hit them, that then bounce back into the lens, they're, they're still there. It's weird. It's in, uh, it's, it's, I just, look, it, they're like portals in, you know, going back in time. And for the work that I do, it, uh, to be honest, a lot of the people that I photograph as well, you know, they are, the, they are our future, you know, some of the younger generation. They could be next prime minister, they could be, you know, next person to discover, that, you know, a way to save, you know, humanity, to end, you know, poverty, to be the founders of, uh, you just, you don't know. But you've, and that, that's the good thing about it as well. I, I, my images, they have, the, I guess they're timeless in the sense that they can never be offensive, you know, mm. because they're just, they're just captures of real people in non-compromising situations that you would never want to kind of surface like in the future. Um, and it's also memories as well, you know, it's, it's, it is memories. And for me, it is a memory because when you, again, you, you have that experience and you remember that experience. Um, and, you know, I have a short-term, you know, memory. You know, I'm not that great. But it's interesting with the photograph, when I go back and look at photos from, like, years ago, I remember that moment, that, that, that time. You know, it might be 30 seconds of, you know, the thing, but I remember the interaction. And it, it's all about... It, it's interesting how it does uh, evoke so much feeling and emotion. Um, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. You could, yeah. It's a whole different topic. Yeah, I agree. You, but you, you touched on your your lab, which is your, your current job role. Yes. Can you talk about this a little bit more? Sure, 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 sure. So, um, again, like I'm working on Darwin at the moment. Correspondence. Been working on that for a good number of years. And basically, what we're doing is uh, we've had the exhibition already, and we are digitizing uh, the entire collection well can you, can you, there's always new things co coming up but we're basically digitizing can it can you give us an idea of what an entire collection looks like like how big is it uh, is it like eight thousand eight thousand individual letters for example 8, individual letters. Um, but then you've got bound volumes so yeah there will be within the bound volumes we have loose letters there's photographs as objects um, you know, there's obviously the Tree of Life notebooks, um, which um, I had the great opportunity to actually get to digitise. So I guess if you ever see any new images of the Tree of Life, um, yeah, that came that came from from here. Um, so yeah, that's kind of pretty cool. But again, we've we've worked with some really interesting uh, uh, items in the collection. Uh, Hawking, for example. 
we, a few years back, after he passed, my colleague, uh, Borger, and I actually went to uh, the Mathematical kind of campus where he has his, his office, and we, we created uh, 3D photogrammetry of his office and photographed um, you know, his memorabilia, his books. Uh, obviously, from there we did, there was an exhibition on Hawking with his... It had some of the transcript from The Simpsons when he was when he was in that. Which I, is I really saw it. Cool. I saw it. I remember I was in his office for a photo shoot for Wired magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was there with Platon. Yeah. And I went in there and I was I was shook because I was not meant to be there, but I was. Yeah, and I yeah. looked up and there was like The Simpsons were there, like yeah. the original. Did character. you see in the chalkboard they had the uh, the black hole uh, um, kind of um, theory thing going on there? Maybe they had this kind of like vortex and it's basically talking about. I think it was like a wormhole or gravitational. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it had it. It was just so interesting to be in that room. It was also. When we were there, it was height of summer and the, the aircon wasn't on and it was blisteringly hot. And he still had his uh, a PC machine just running away, doing doing calculations, you know, under his desk. But it was it was um, it it was interesting because being in that environment and you kind of and with all this stuff around you, you kind of have a little connection. You feel a little connection with. The presence that was kind of formerly there, you know. Um, so, so I guess his office is not there anymore. I mean, like they haven't kept a space to commemorate him. I've no idea. I've no idea. Maybe they have. You know, I think probably they have done. To be honest, because you know, it's. I don't know. Next time I'll 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 go by there if I go to the gym and in West Cambridge, I'm gonna stop by and just knock. Go 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 to the reception and ask. Yeah, guys. Yeah, I'll be keen to know about yeah, that. Yeah, I would have thought they would have done. To be honest, I think a lot of his items. So we've actually, as the library itself, we've actually, I think we've digitized um, most of his work. So we're actually making it now available for free for for research. So that's the idea of the library. What we do is we. We digitise um, collections and things in the archives. Obviously, in the you know in the interest of the uh, of the public, um, and that holds significant you know academic research data. Um, so obviously, we need to get funding to go through and actually because sometimes these these digitisation jobs take you know years. Darwin's what been twenty five years, maybe more in the making. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm the last person to actually be doing it, which is kind of cool at the same time. Um, and then, obviously, once they're digitised, they get put on to Cuddle, the Cambridge University Digital Library, uh, where these items are available uh, around the world. For people that can't come and see the collection, for example, that's why we photograph a lot of objects. We do studio photography. Uh, we're doing a lot of 3D scanning now, so we can actually produce these high-resolution 3D scans of objects that are otherwise say maybe too fragile so we would need to think of ways to preserve them um, for future generations while handling them as little as possible and it's it's a good way and obviously we do a lot of things with uh, we do um, RTI photography uh, radial transformational imaging which is another interesting way to photograph physical objects um, uh, using a uh, a digital movable light source. You, say, for example, you have your glasses here, and we have a fixed camera above, and then we have a dome that takes individual um, shots 
180 degrees in a, in a dome like that, but it will, it will flash, 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 and you'll get this all these different views. Stationary, but the light source is moving around, and then you have a bit of software where you can move that light source around, and you can actually see things you would never normally see under just the normal yeah normal light, which is interesting, and it's very good for especially if you're doing um, macro photography. On we're doing on some whole some punches, basketball punches, and we you can actually with that light source you can actually see um damage that's been done to it and 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 all sorts of other you know interesting things that's good for people who want to know more about the history of certain items you know how they used you know how that damage was acquired and by using this you know this RTI photography, and you can also incorporate you know multispectral imaging into that as well. Again, multispectral has you know fantastic research um, opportunities because you have uh, manuscripts. And back then, uh, the vellum was quite expensive to to reproduce, made from you know animal skin. So they would wash off the old text and then rewrite, and you'd sometimes get. Um, uh, uh, Arabic, uh, and then you know, hundred years later, you'll get some uh, maybe Jewish um, manuscripts um, on there as well. Text. Um, I forget the name of the other cool language to be found. Um, so, and you, and with the multispectral, you'll find that the, the text will be written one way, and then the text will maybe be written in another way. Almeic is that the right one? Someone will correct me on this. Um, but, but it's great, and you can also find out the type of ink that was used. So we have a lot of problems with iron gall ink because it's quite corrosive. So say for example, the ink is completely gone and you cannot see the ink using the multispectral. What you can do is with the multispectral imaging, you can actually see where the ink is co corroded into the actual vellum itself. So you have this kind of like embossing that's you can't see at all, but with, micro, with the multispectral imaging, using different uh, wavelengths, you can actually pick this up and be able to highlight and bring it forward, bring the text below the, the text on top by changing some of the colouring, a uh, bit of tweaking here and there, you can actually make it more visible. So sometimes you can have three or four different texts on there. Um, and then obviously with the different pigmentation of the ink, you'll be able to, again, play around a little bit to make this text blue and this one red, so you'll be able to tell the difference between the two. Amazing, amazing. So I guess this is, this is something for the future generations, not for us today. It's for today, but it's also for the future as well. And the whole idea is that the, of digitalization of the archive is, again, it's to preserve the physical items because sometimes the items aren't actually going to last that long. So the, dig the digitized, the master preservation files will be the things that will actually survive, whereas the actual physical items may just crumble away. And all are too, um, we've had um, old nitrate film, which is highly combustible and just it's falling apart. So we've, one of my colleagues, Emily, was photographing um, a lot of this nitrates film very, very carefully um, as a means to 
create a, you know to preserve it if you can't preserve something that's unpreservable but then you can you know you can capture that image and that will be for example with those ones will be the only record that we have but then that can be used for generations to come whereas the actual item itself won't last that long fair enough yeah. amazing well thank you for covering this 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 is actually a very very interesting role I'd say because you get to see things that most people would never see in their lives not even yeah. by accident it, that, it, it is a pretty cool thing and it's funny so that's my day job and then the Human Scanning Projects, I didn't mention before, but I, I go out on my lunch break, so I have, what, half an hour, 45 minutes? And I will stop people. If I've got a coffee or a sandwich, if I see an opportunity, I'll run up, I'm like, excuse me, yeah. And most of the time, they find it quite funny. Um, but it's, again, it's, uh, it's such a, a, a small window of opportunity. So you've got, again, maybe you can relate that to you know, the humans of Cambridge, you've got a small window of opportunity to capture that, but then obviously with the work at the library, some things that you're working with, there is a small window that you've got to actually work with it to, to capture it, to make sure that it, it you know, it's... Um, that's the dedication, because if you think about it, lunch break in theory sounds like, go sit down, relax, relax your thoughts, don't think about anything, and what you do is the complete opposite. You go from one job with one camera to yeah, another yeah, space yeah, yeah, with yeah. a different camera. Yeah. But then it, it's interesting as well because I've got a, my, my lunch break, but then you know the people that you're approaching, they're also on their lunch break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's really good that you can actually give you that, that time. So, um, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. And now, Mark, time for the last question. That's, oh, that's yeah, going to be random, though. That's going to be the most difficult question. If you could choose an era to live in, whichever one, which one would it be? Whichever one, it can be from the pre-existence of human beings till the future in 5,000 after Christ. <laughs> <laughs> um, and why? That is, that, 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 is the, that is the question. Why would you choose it? Do you know what? I think... Honestly, if you, if you say you wanted to live in the future, it's because you already have a concept of the digital age and you know, everything that we have now. But we know that. And I think going back to... I wouldn't say the medieval times, because I know life was brutal then. But I think maybe, you know, maybe the birth of photography, for example. I think oh, yes. because, oh, when was that? What, 18... 1826. Oh, was that 1826? 1826, yeah. First ever picture was taken in 1826. Was that the one that was done on a bottle with the light going through manure? Because I remember that was the first kind of image. Well, not photograph, but image that was done. I think so. It was by Nisa for Nips. And it was taken, there was a picture of his garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, at least I got some of my facts right. <laughs> but I think it's not only that, but it's obviously just, I, I, the fact that I find just photography now is it's just, it's so abundant. It's so available. I, I think the, the, the wonder of how it is, is just, it's just, it's not appreciated as much. If we just take it as, you know, 
is so for granted. You know? air, it, yeah, for granted. But when you think about it, <laughs> the fact that we can capture time, for example, I guess, you're capturing light, which is incredibly more interesting than you actually think you know it is, because it behaves in such a strange way. It's total tangent, I'm not going to talk about that. But um, it's the rebirth of that, but also the, the age without all this you know, digital technology. People, I think, people, again, obviously, you know, times then were, as a society, might not have be as, uh, as, as free as we are now. But I love the way that they dressed, you know. This, the elegance. The elegance of it all. The suburbs, you know, when you, when you dress up nice. But then you've got to say, okay, if you're going to live in what area, era, like, what, you know, what class would you want, would you prefer to be in, but you know? you have the choice. Yeah, if you, if you had the choice, but a lot of people didn't have the choice in that time. In fact, the, the majority of the population were, you know, were, were, were poor, very poor. Um, Imagine going back to that period of time oh, as, 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 you, as you are now with yeah. your camera. Yeah. Bam, you go there and you're like, I'm an alien, motherfuckers. Whoa. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, can you imagine though, being able to, even with your phone, like just show them an image of themselves. It would be mind blowing. Oh, they would, they, they would but, kill you. But, but, they would hang you. But imagine, so imagine that. Imagine showing somebody a photograph, especially something you can take digitally with an instant, or even with a Polaroid, being able to capture that thing, that's just like, and they've never seen it before. Can you, it just, I think that's the all, that's, that's probably the, what I love about photography is that we are so lucky that we're, we've made, we're able to do this, you know, and we don't realize just how much we rely on photography to a lot of the things that you see these models, 3D models and stuff, they rely on photography. They rely on, you know, the photons hitting the, you know, the sensors or f uh, hitting the, you know, the light-sensitive film on analog. Analog, by the way, is still my favourite. It's true. It's unedited, shall we say. You, as opposed to digital photography, you have you know, a lot of freedom to really mess around or fuck it up. Um, but with analog photography, which is what I, I do try and steer to, to keep some analogous kind of aesthetic to it. I add grain to my images, probably don't see it, but I used to be obsessed with everything being tack sharp. But I found sometimes that some of my images I don't get quite right. But then I'm like, but it still looks good. And when you actually, and, be, and you've, it's the frame, it's the subject, the eyes might not be in focus. You've got the hat, you've got the front of the hat. Okay, it's not what you're after, but it's still, you've got that smile. Whereas the first one's in focus and it's, it doesn't look as good. But the one that's maybe not perfectly in focus still has the same, the, what you saw at the time is what you actually wanted to capture. You just didn't quite get the focus. So for me, I, looking back at some of the old photographs that I've worked with, hardly any of them, some of them are amazingly in focus, but you, the majority of them are not in focus or soft focus, but it's the context, it's the composition, it's, it's what is within the image that actually makes it. And I think also that 
when you take a picture and if it's out of focus that's absolutely fine because you have you might have something in focus in the background which actually that looks that, great that looks good and you have a series of i think this is where a series of pictures is always strong because if one doesn't work and it's out of focus or whatever it is the other four will compensate for yeah. it yeah so but if you're shooting an analog though you don't have that much freedom in there so the, just quickly to finish this off with was you know with shooting digital, again, like I said, I shoot three or five, three or five, three or five frames to try and you know nail the shot. It's weird as well. You think you've got your composition. I try and frame in camera as much as I can, um, uh, but you you realise you move around an awful lot, um, even when you think you've got, you know you've you're pretty centred. But with analog, you have to take your time with it, and I think. This is why I appreciate um, some followers on some guys on Instagram, photographers on Instagram who do portraits. You appreciate them more because they've they've done one or three shots on on film, but they are so much more thought out. And this, you appreciate what you're seeing more because, again, they're trying to capture, especially portraits, are trying to capture someone, and they're trying to capture the best of them. And obviously with the analog stuff especially the black and white they're a lot more they have a lot more mood a lot more feel to them maybe a bit more of a message um so yeah uh, even looking at this accidental um you know short and that's of the wall is that the wall of the brickwork or something yeah it is it is it's it's a cool shot oh you, you know what you could you could put that on instagram <laughs> you know <laughs> That's the last way to conclude this. Well, thank you, Mark. Yeah, it's been, you, it's been an enormous pleasure. I really had a great time. I really had a great time. And I'm sure people will learn a lot from you. Oh, I hope so. And cut. The Cambridge Photography Show is happening this 7th of October. And you shouldn't miss it. There's big brands. There's great deals. Variety of workshops and talks. And if you're a photographer or interested in photography, you should be there. To book your place or ticket, just simply visit cambridgephotographyweek.com. Once again, cambridgephotographyweek.com. See you there.